we welcome to the studio this morning, <laughs> Jared Hall, who is the stewardship rep for our area, vicinity, overall good guy. Well, good to have you in here. How you been? Uh, it's been just a whirlwind yeah. of a month leading up to, to today. January yeah. was kind of a bonkers month. I had the mm-hmm. chance to go down to Tampa mm-hmm. and observe one of our planning giving seminars and um, that was on the day that it started snowing Wednesday morning about two weeks ago Yeah, at like 3 a.m. And it was only supposed to be like less than an inch and mm-hmm. ended up being three inches. And so right. I had an early flight out of town. So I was trekking down the road and I was making fresh tracks and got <laughs> on a plane that had no heat. Oh, no. And then oh, wow. we started to pull out of the gate and started sliding around. So they said, hey, we're going to stop right here and de-ice and see if we can make the runway. So, oh boy! Oh, lots that's of confidence at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Lots of confidence. Did you raise your hand? And go. Can I get off now? <laughs> I said this is going to be a wild ride. Yeah, could be short, but wild nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. So, well, glad uh, you made it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and then uh, I was up in Wisconsin speaking at a high school retreat and did some admissions work for Moody up there, and then I was in Chicago last week for Founders Day and did some uh, leadership development for the alumni wow. board. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. You've been so, busy. How did you like that one day, Founders Day? Well, I actually had to leave before Friday because oh, okay. my family was sick with the flu. Oh, oh that on top of everything. Oh, wow. Yes. How are so, they doing? They're all better. Good. Yes, they all shared yeah. very kindly. And you're yeah. fine now? I was. I am now. I was not. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things where you go like, well, I'm going to go home and take care of my family. <laughs> And get sick. Yeah. Like, there's no getting around it, right? Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. But uh, the Lord was kind to us, and mm. symptoms cleared up, and good. here we are. So That's good. So what are we doing? What are we studying today? Yeah, so I thought we would uh, start a series on the parables. I uh, haven't done uh, much in the parables for a while, so I mm-hmm. thought we'd look at the parables in Luke, and we'll see how far we go. It'll probably either be a four-part series or a seven-part series. Uh, there's 12 parables in total in Luke, if you combine the ones in Luke 15, um, as I think you probably should, and uh, thought we'd start there. So, All right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but most people probably do know, parables are short stories that are used to make a teaching point. Mm-hmm. So Jesus used these frequently in his teaching ministry. He delivered spiritual truths. That's right. Yeah. And um, as we look at them, uh, one of the temptations historically in the church is to take every single element of the parable and interpret it. And that's not really the point of the parables, but to take the overall message, that's the idea. So when you try to interpret every single element to a very deep nuance, then you end up usually getting off in your interpretation. Sure, That's a good warning. Yeah, it is. Because I mean, if you're trying to do the fish and the coin and the all, you know, all the different things, you know, that could be could muddle things up a bit. Yeah, and and the parable we'll do next time is actually I think the driving parable that causes us to do that with other parables. Oh, so, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Because it has multiple elements, I think it causes <clears throat> us to look at other parables in a similar mm-hmm. vein. So, yeah. uh, but I want to start with a story, and um, all of us have probably known, uh, perhaps Deb, you were. Uh, that mother in the neighborhood where all the kids tend to gravitate towards, mm-hmm. where it's the mother where their their house is the open house and mm-hmm. most kids know to be there. It's usually because they're the loving mother. They're very... Um, Ours was the Kool-Aid and popcorn house. There you go. That's right. <laughs> so we all know that mm-hmm. that mother and... and um, 
There's some danger, though, in being that loving of a neighbor and uh, because unexpected things happen. And I read about this one particular mother who had heard some noise upstairs, and she thought her, her son was playing upstairs a bit rowdy, so she went to go up there and check on him. And she was very surprised to find that it wasn't her son in his room, but it was a neighbor kid in the room. Hmm. And he wasn't just in the room, but he was standing on the dresser. And he wasn't just standing on the dresser, but he had taken a metal hanger and straightened out and fashioned it into a spear and was beginning to practice spear fishing into her son's fish tank. Oh, oh no. Can you even imagine? Was his name Dennis the Menace? (laughs) Right. And on top of all of that, he was only in his underwear. So very... (laughs) Very bizarre interaction. All right. Very Lord of the Flies-esque type situation, <laughs> yeah. right? So what'd she do? Well, she sent him home. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. That's right. That's probably why the Illinois poet Carl Sandburg said, love your neighbor as yourself, but don't take down your fence. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's true. And, uh. and it reminds me that while we are commanded to love our neighbor, there are some unexpected twists and turns there are some challenges there's perhaps even some dangers in doing such and that's really what gets in the way of us obeying this commandment and um, there's an interesting interaction that takes place between jesus and a lawyer in luke 10 25 through 37 let me read part of the passage here Uh, it says and behold the lawyer stood up to put him to the test this is lawyer putting Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And I like how this whole conversation is driven by questions, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's putting Jesus to the test with the question, How do you inherit eternal life? This is a uh, an interesting scenario because as a lawyer, he's not an ambulance-chasing lawyer, right? He's an expert in the Torah and the commandments found in Genesis through Deuteronomy, which according to Orthodox uh, rabbinic Orthodox tradition, there's 613 commandments. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why it would take a person who is an expert in discerning which laws trump which laws and which laws apply in which situations, right? Yeah, Anybody would be familiar in the first century with the Torah, Mm -hmm. but it takes another level to be an expert in how to apply that. And you can understand the tension of, well, how do you inherit eternal life? So that's the challenge. Which commandments can you break? Which commandments can you obey and still be okay with God? Jesus doesn't answer it head on. He turns it back on him and he responds with an excellent answer, right? It's the same answer Mm -hmm. Jesus gives in a different scenario that's very similar in Matthew and Mark. This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, great answer. Go and do it. Now what Jesus knows is, how well can we do it? <laughs> right. right. Right? It's pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, the lawyer is pretty determined, and so he fires another question. He says, well, who's my neighbor? And so then that's what launches Jesus into this parable. And so in the parable, we're familiar with the parable. It says, a man's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped and beat him, 
and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound him up in his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you And when I come back. So the parable to us is a little bit foreign, perhaps because the idea of a road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a road that many of us have not traveled. There's only one road. It's pretty straightforward. It's about a 17-mile road, but it's kind of in a valley and so there's these rocky cliffs on the sides. Mm. It's very dusty, rocky terrain. It's very easy uh, for people who were robbers to hide in places like that. For people coming from the Galilee from the north, they would travel along the Jordan River because it's flat. We understand that here in the Quad Cities, right? It's flatter mm-hmm. along the Mississippi, and then the hills bank up. So you have a flat path, the easier path. And then you get to this particular spot, and you can walk between the rock cliffs to Jerusalem. It's uphill, but you get it. And so it's a very familiar scenario. As Jesus says that, it, it makes sense to everybody. They, can, they know what path he's talking about. Sure. And then he says that someone's going to beat them up. Well, that's, that's like if I told Ken a story about someone getting robbed and pickpocketed in Paris or Rome. That's very believable. Those are the top two cities in the world that people get pickpocketed, mm-hmm. right? So people are they're right there mm-hmm. with him. And then he, he throws this interesting twist in. So the guy's half dead. A priest comes by, a Levite comes by. Both guys work in the temple. Priest's job is to handle animal sacrifices. Levite's job is to handle temple work. So they assist the priests and they do maintenance and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're on a rotation system by the first century. They're not just living there. So they've done their job. They're leaving Jerusalem too. But they have to be ceremonially clean to do their job. So to help a guy who's half dead means what? They're not going to be clean. They're not going to be clean. They can't do their clean. job. That's right. So that's, that's <clears throat> problematic. Or, you know... If you think about someone who's half dead, could they be faking it? Could you come? I mean, we could hear they about, be the robber? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right, You're just waiting for someone to take advantage of them. So as Jesus is telling the story, people can find themselves in the story and go like, "Yeah." And then Jesus throws this twist in there with the third person who helps. It's not just anybody; it's a Samaritan. At this time, the friction between the Samaritans and the Jews are very high in the first century. Samaritans believe that. They're God's chosen people, and they should be worshiping on Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem. It says that he has compassion on him, so he helps him. And he doesn't just help him. He takes him to an inn, pays for his stay, pays for his continued stay, says he'll come back take care of him, right? So it's over and above lavish love, right? So parable makes sense as we uh, break it down. And then the closing of this section says, Jesus posing this question back to the lawyer again. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Mm. And that's the power of this parable mm-hmm. is that it's, it's helping reframe the commandments from the perspective that God had in giving them, not in man's twisting of it as they received it, right? Because the lawyer says, well, who's my neighbor? Well, mm-mm, wrong question. Just go be the neighbor. Just go and do yeah. the loving action. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the encouragement and challenge for us today mm-hmm. is not, well, just go love anybody, but to be sensitive to 
Are we willing to have compassion on whoever comes our way? Right. Not to worry about, well, am I loving this person well or loving this person well, but just having an, a willingness in the flow of our life to be compassionate. Sometimes we want to be overly strategic. Well, I'm going to go love this person really well. Well, what if the Lord just wants you to have compassion in every interaction that you have, whoever you come across? And if we think about like... Um, all of the interactions we have with human beings every single day from like the waitress to the gas station clerk to the coworker, like so much of life is just this quick transactions of relationship. What if we began to approach life through this lens of being, being merciful? If we went into a gas station and it's not just, I need to buy this, but if I interact with someone, how can I be merciful to them? If we mm -hmm. had these spiritual eyes to see things the way that the Lord did, instead of always this, Hyper vigilant, strategic. Well, I'm going to go pick this one person and go love them. Well, yeah. no, no, this whole approach to life, which is being merciful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me close with this quote from C.S. Lewis because I, I think he he says it well. He wrote this in Mere Christianity: Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets: when you're behaving as if you love someone you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Mm -hmm. That's good. And so that's our encouragement for today as we consider this great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, that as we're going along the road of life to be merciful to those we come across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just live that life. That's and, right. Mm -hmm. You know. And then it becomes more easy when you're focusing constantly on living that lifestyle. Right. It becomes you know? almost second habit, right? right. Like yep. breathing. We exactly. We spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, just a, it's just part of us, part yes. of our DNA. Exactly. Still a challenge, though. It is. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Definitely. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, for me, it's like exercising, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're in the habit of it, like you do it. When you're out of the habit, it's like, oh, oh man. Gosh. I oh. know. Really? I got to do this again? Like it's so <laughs> far away. Right. I have to put on clothes. Oh. <laughs> We've been in a pandemic for so long. I have to wear pants when I go. Oh. <laughs> Challenges. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, good reminder for us. Mm -hmm. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You bet.